What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us. This is Danny Langloss. Hey, if you're not following us on LinkedIn, please connect, follow us. We're posting daily leadership, mindset, motivation content. Also linked in this podcast description is an article we wrote titled Employee Engagement 10X, The Seven Pillars of Ownership. Ownership changes the game. Ownership is our team members' extreme psychological and emotional commitment to the team, to the organization, to our goals, to our purpose. It's when people do things because it's important to them, not because they're told to do it. Changes everything. All right, here we go. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Today, we're joined by Amy Lynn Durham. And we're going to talk about a topic that is so interesting, and we're going to be learning together because I don't know a lot about this topic. It's spiritual intelligence. We hear of IQ and EQ. Well, SQ is just as important. We're going to find out why today, how this translates into better leadership and better company results. Amy Lynn Durham is the CEO of Create Magic at Work. It's also the title of her book. It's awesome. You got to check it out. She's a UC Berkeley certified executive coach. Um, she certified the coach to 21 Associated um, skills with spiritual intelligence using the SQ21 assessment. She's also uh, an emotional intelligence practitioner, so we're in for a real treat, treat today. She has that perfect combination of coaching, consulting, but prior uh, successful corporate world leadership, managing hundreds of employees for private and publicly traded companies. Her company, Create Magic at Work's intention is to offer spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence tools to energize and transform the workplace. As an expert in building positive company cultures, uh, she designed the Create Magic at Work to bring a variety of services and strategies to aid in cultivating teamwork and harmony in order to improve profits and employee morale. If that's not important to you, you're listening to the wrong podcast, but I'm sure it is because it's important to all of us. Amy, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, so excited about this conversation today, but can you start by sharing a little bit about your journey that's led you to where you are today? Yeah, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. I used to work in the corporate setting for quite a long time. I had hundreds of employees that I managed. I was in a very competitive sales environment. I worked for private and publicly traded companies. And that was an interesting uh, experience for many, many years. I was the only woman on my team once I got promoted up and up and up. And what I started to discover was we were really reliant on Excel spreadsheets, profit and loss statements, all of the data. Everyone was very comfortable with those things. But what was working for me and my team was connecting everyone together. So we would get together and do quarterly business reviews. But I would do a team build at the end that was really skill building in EQ or SQ with the team, even though they didn't know it. <laughs> Nice. And so I wanted to prove that collaboration over competition wins every time that connecting individuals actually improves productivity and profitability. And I planned on leaving my job for a year because I wanted to, I felt like my creativity was being stifled in, in the workplace. So I sort of wanted to leave and reinject myself in a different way. And that's how Create Magic was born. But the year that I stayed in my position was when I did these field tested activities 
And then I threw them all in my book once I, once I left. And then I went on this whole entrepreneurial journey with um, attending, you know, the UC Berkeley Executive Coaching Institute certified in the SQ21. I mean, that's a whole, it's a whole, (laughs) the entrepreneur journey is very different than working for a large company. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what the one thing I love about my consulting business is that you're working with different people. You're coming in to help, to be a support, uh, to help them see things that, that they can't see to help them get out of their own way. You said something that was so important. Um, and it's reminded me of this statement. Management is about things. Leadership is about people and, and your recognition of that. And then I also loved how you talked about how you're running these you know, team building exercises, these fun collaborative things, and people don't even realize what it is you're building, but they're building it, which is, which is super neat. So Amy, what is spiritual intelligence? Yeah. So spiritual intelligence, one of the, there's a couple definitions that I like to share. One is from Cindy Wigglesworth. She's the one that developed the SQ21. She's a former um, HR executive from Exxon. Okay. And her, her definition is, the ability to make wise and compassionate decisions while maintaining inner and outer peace, regardless of the situation. So I think the the tail end of that definition is the strongest, regardless of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. That's a tough thing for us to rise to is to maintain inner and outer peace, regardless of the situation we're in as leaders and still make wise and compassionate decisions. And a little bit, we talked a little bit before we started recording, but we, if you can envision a pyramid like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can think of the bottom layer of the pyramid as PQ, physical intelligence, the next one IQ, the next layer EQ, and then the top SQ. So you get to SQ by way of EQ. Okay. And then if I take you all the way over to the adult development theory, usually in our early 20s, is when we're, our brains have the ability to exercise compassion towards others in an emotionally intelligent way. And then as we grow, usually in about our mid thirties is when we start exploring SQ, which is things like, what is my life purpose? What are my values? Why am I here? Can I put my ego aside in the workplace if I'm a leader? And, and can I put my day-to-day concerns aside and operate from a big picture view? That's SQ right there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so can you talk about a little bit and differentiate that? I think IQ is something simple for people to understand, but what are the, the major differences then between, you know, like EQ and SQ? Yeah. So EQ is like, okay. I mean, you don't have to have studied emotional, emotional intelligence to be emotionally intelligent, right? <laughs> right. But, yeah, but EQ is like, okay, I have some self-awareness of my emotions and I can recognize when I'm triggered in the workplace and I have an emotional management strategy. Maybe I do some breathing. Maybe I have an appreciation anchor. I write about appreciation anchors in my book, have something that you can hold on to or look at a photo on your desk or whatever it may be, because the brain can't experience gratitude and anxiety at the same time. Okay. And then the third piece of EQ is, can I build connections? 
can I reframe situations from the other person's point of view? That's EQ, right? So then when you get into SQ, that's the next step. That's where you're really doing some, some work. Can I make wise and compassionate decisions for the team that I'm in charge of, no matter the situation? Can I create win-win solutions? Polarity management, right? <clears throat> Can I be a wise and effective change agent? Those are SQ skills, by the way. So SQ is broken up into four quadrants, just like EQ. But what I think it really dives into now that you asked me that and I'm thinking out loud is, can I separate my ego from my higher self? We talk a lot about that in SQ. You don't have to be religious. Uh, spiritual intelligence is a faith neutral system. You can be agnostic. You can be atheist. As long as you believe there's a place within you that can operate from wisdom, compassion, love, you can work on the skills of SQ and they are designed for leaders in the workplace. So we talk a lot about separating ego from higher self. And I think that's a big foundation of SQ. Okay. I think that brings that to, to life pretty good for the listeners as we move through this and the, and the distinction, right? Because it, it can be polarizing. A lot of times when people think about spiritual, they think about, are you Catholic? Are you Christian? Are you Baptist? Are you Muslim? Like what, what is your affiliation? And this really doesn't have anything to do with those things. You know, you talked right. about life purpose values. Mm -hmm. Why am I here? The ability to put ego aside, you know, earlier you were talking about before we came on about servant leadership and the importance of servant leadership. And so this next level of leadership, these words of wisdom, but, but two words that really rang with me are compassion and love, you know, and, and, and I think that when we come from places of compassion and love and empathy, like we're on to something as leaders. And it's more important now today than ever, especially still really going through the COVID pandemic, a lot of the fallout from social justice and a lot of those issues facing our country um, that. That, that we're putting these things into place. Yeah. So, so important. Some of the other skills of SQ and the 21 skills are, are you aware of your own worldview? Are you aware your worldview isn't the only worldview? <laughs> so, <laughs> so as a leader, when you start diving into that, then that brings you to the awareness of the interconnectedness of life and the ripple effect that we send. So when we talk about servant leadership, I, I get really curious as a coach because I, I posted on LinkedIn, a, a, I think like a week ago or something, I did a search on servant leadership because I wanted to see how many leaders put that in their title or talk about it. And I just threw it out there. You know, what does that mean to you? Because I've been in many meetings where I hear catchphrases thrown around that people just grab onto where they really don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> And I've done it myself. Um, but if you want to be the ultimate servant leader, you're not just serving your customers. You're not just serving your employees, your shareholders, et cetera. You're actually going to serve the impact that you're leaving on the planet and the ripple effect that you're going to send out to those individuals. It's a big responsibility, but it's a really cool one to have. If you think about it, it's when you start thinking about what are these resources that I'm using? How, how is it impacting 
my children or my grandchildren down the line? And what do I want written on my tombstone, really? Yeah, absolutely. Do I want written that, yeah, I met the shareholders' expectations every time? Or do I want something a little bit more SQ worthy? Let me say, I just made that up, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I was excited about this conversation. I'm even more excited now because we're talking about what kind of impact you can leave in this world. I believe passion plus purpose, you know, equals the opportunity to create incredible impact. It's something very important to me personally. You know, you, you know, we are in the here and now and helping our team members, helping our organization, helping our customers, helping our communities. But what greater impact? How can we impact the greater good um, mm-hmm. as we move forward? A few of my real passions are one, protecting children from child predators, two, helping people from substance use disorder, and three, helping people suffering from severe mental illness. And so the programs and things that we worked on, I've been on teams on that are now replicated in hundreds of communities across the country, like we'll never fully understand the impact that we make. And as leaders, um, the way we talk to people, the way we coach, mentor, recognize, appreciate, interact with people, the kind of environment we create puts our people and our team members in a, posi- a position to reach high levels of the SQ you're talking about. And when they do, like we'll never realize what we're part of and the impact that they're having that, that we have been a small part of to help create and help them foster. So I, I really love that higher level as you talk about impact there. So what, what are the four quadrants of SQ? So the first one is your awareness of your ego and your higher self. And it has, it's broken up. All the 21 skills are broken up between the four. The next one is the universal awareness. That's what, when we talked about, am I aware of my own worldviews, et cetera? Am I aware that they're not the only one? And then the bottom three are the, the bottom three and four are the social mastery pieces. So one and two are like when you're working on things inside, but maybe the outside world doesn't really notice yet. And then when you get down to three and four, the social and spiritual mastery, that's when people start noticing that you're a common healing presence, that you're making wise and compassionate decisions, that you're an effective teacher, that you're a wise and effective change agent. Those are skills I'm rattling off actually of SQ, but that's, that's how it works. Awesome. And when you talk about the levels, I mean, you don't taking all ego aside, who cares what you score on the SQ 21? It's just kind of a blueprint of where you are today. And I've had zeros. We call them precious zeros and they're just levels that you're at. And you can choose to work on them or you can choose not to, depending on what resonates with you. But I'll tell you, Danny, every time I do an SQ21 debrief with a leader, I don't lead them to any skill. I let them lead me. They always, to me, this is really encouraging because they always want to talk about making wise and compassionate decisions. And it's really cool. It's really cool. And we tend to get into a couple of different conversations. One tends to be someone, this is just what I've experienced with my clients. They might be experiencing burnout. They might be that empathetic leader that is taking on everybody's stuff and letting people vent to them without boundaries. So we get into boundary setting as a leader. The other side is this guy gets on my nerves so bad. How can I make wise and compassionate decisions? I, they drive me crazy or so-and-so's, you know, email just really upset me today. How do I, 
how do I do this? And so then that's the, the SQ weightlifting where we, where we reframe situations. Um, we get into non-judgment, staying curious, coaching really, right. Asking uh-huh. curious questions. I stay curious and I ask meaningful questions. That's one of my phrases, I guess, mantras. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think, yeah. Staying curious, asking curious questions. Those are when, when we are curious, it, it shows and says to other people, I don't know everything. I have more to learn. I'm human just as you are. And I think that's an important thing. There's the way we talk and communicate with people, the questions we ask, the tone of voice we use, the statements we make, there's a lot of unspoken words and unspoken meanings to those things. And that's why when you're intentionally talking about communicating and, and acting with compassion and wisdom, like if you're intentional about that, the way you word, use your words, the way you put words together, your tone of voice, your inflection, what you say all begins to, to shadow in there. I, I think that you know, one of the things we talked a lot about is values-based leadership. Like we can't write a book to teach you every single thing to do in every single situation. There's no, if a plus B then C, right? Like that isn't there. So when we lead on certain values and certain frameworks, like you're talking about, when we get into situations, especially complex and difficult situations, we know what to do because we're staying aligned with our values and, and what we believe in and who we are. And oh, I think, hands down. Yeah. That's, I, so I've just... That's so good because that's what this does because we're in this time where you can't give someone a playbook anymore. So when you have your team exercise these skills, you can do your job because you can walk away with confidence that they're going to make elevated decisions from a place of higher motivation because they've, they've done skill building in these areas and nobody's going to be perfect. I mean, who is right? I screw up every day. <laughs> it's like trying to work on SQ, <laughs> you know, put your ego aside. Don't get upset on, uh, with the little things, etc. But the coolest part about all of this is you could plug anyone into situations and they don't need a playbook if they've exercised these skills. No, absolutely. The, there's one thing that I've learned and you talked to me about your experience. So I'll kind of share mine and then maybe you can talk about how to address it is, as I'm thinking about your framework here is, it's one thing to teach our people good leadership skills, practices, laws, values. It's another thing for them to be able to repeat them back to you and talk about why those things are important. But the transition from understanding what it is and being in the moment and being emotionally intelligent enough to understand how their emotions are impacting the emotions of others, to understand the emotions of others. Um, and then to take it to that next level about SQ, it's one thing to understand something and be able to talk about it or even write about it. It's another to be able to do it in the moment. And so mm-hmm. it sounds like with this framework and what you work with people on is how do you take and transition people through that? Because I think that's something that's huge that's missing these days. It is. But I also like to point out that it's just a daily practice. And I don't want to make it this big thing that people feel like it's this huge thing they need to achieve. For example, I picked for the year of 2021 to work on being a common healing presence as a skill. It's like skill um, 17 in SQ. And when you pick on a skill to work on, the universe rises (laughs) to the occasion and gives you many opportunities to work on it. I didn't account for that. And I've, and I was laying in bed feeling like I was failing one night, just beating myself up. Cause I, you know, I said in the beginning, I came from a fiery competitive 
environment. And I was like, man, I want to be a common healing presence, you know? And then it hit me. I don't need to be this meditating person in a cave to be a common healing presence. If other people can operate from their higher selves in my presence, then I'm a good leader and I'm a good, and, and I'm working it's being effective in that way. So I just wanted to, to add to that because these are easy skill building things you can do. Just approach situations without blame and judgment. That's a perfect universal communication. I approach situations without blame and judgment, but I tell the truth. That's um, one of Angelise Arians for communication principles. I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's, I show up and choose to be present. I pay attention to what has heart and meaning. I tell the truth without blame and judgment. I'm open to outcome, but I'm not attached to it. So if you're sitting down in a one-on-one session with an employee or something like that, you can have those four universal communication principles ready and, and it'll really help your interaction. I just, cause I listened to one of your episodes too, about gossip in the workplace. Oh yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's all stories we tell ourselves, right? That's SQ skill building, weightlifting. What's the story you're telling yourself in your head and can you rewrite it for that individual? I had a client that was so upset because the partner they were working on a project with just ghosted them. Just, I'm not doing it. I left. Here's all the work for you. Sorry. And they were livid. <laughs> and, and rightfully so, right? But let's reframe that. You don't know what happened in that individual's life. You start t- whatever story you have in your head, rewrite it because they're both stories. And how can you operate from your higher self, wisdom, compassion, and love? And that actually will open you up to uh, not hurting yourself, holding on to anger, resentment, all of those things that actually just hurt you. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to do a follow-up episode to the one of the great destroyers of teams and cultures. And the, the fact of the matter is when we operate from a place of jealousy, envy, when we speak with bad intentions, when we you know, undermine or backstab because we've become a victim and we've justified why we can do this, who we hurt is ourself. The, the career we hurt is our own. Um, and, and so I love how you really brought that together. Maybe I don't even need to do an episode on it. Well, I think you've and I want to add to that. Cause I just loved that. I was thinking, you know, when I was running my teams, they were, co- and I would do one-on-one, you know, ride alongs with my, um, district managers. I would hear a complaint about another team member, you know, so-and-so is taking too long in the morning report out or the meeting, or, you know, so-and-so gets on my nerves, just little side things. So when we got together, guess who was partnered up? when I did these human connection, skill building activities, whoever they were bitching about or complaining about. I love it. No, that's good. Yeah, you're good. (laughs) So whoever they were complaining about got, they got put together and they got to see the humanity in each other. And it was great because I didn't have to hear the complaints anymore. They understand that individual as a human being going, going through the same things in life that they are just like me. That's a compassion exercise in SQ. Just like me, this person is trying to have joy in their life. Just like me, this person wants to avoid pain. I have a whole exercise that I do with, with that, that you close your eyes and envision that other person. But yeah, so. That's all. The number one way <laughs> to solve conflict between two people is to put them together. Sometimes you need a mediator. Sometimes you got to be, don't, you got to be careful and set boundaries with it. But really you see the human side of the other person. And then when you start to align the things that they're 
they have in commonplace. And if they're in your workforce, they should, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you should at least be aligned to the purpose of the organization. They should at least be committed to the greater idea of the team, the culture, the positive environment. And when we start aligning on those things, you know, how important are the other things become? And most of the time they're, they're a misunderstanding in, in the first place is what I found. Sometimes they're not some, yeah. but, but a lot of times they are. I did a, a team build after a quarterly business review where I just had everyone go on the beach. We were, we were on near the beach at the time and they had to bring their favorite motivational quote or passage from, it was so easy. It wasn't any of this deep SQ stuff, you know, and they, we just had s'mores and we had some cocktails and we just had to go around and share our favorite quote and our, our favorite passage that motivates us. But, and we had to share why. And I almost didn't put it in my book because I was like, this is so easy and simple. I might get criticized for this. I have my own, you know, and um, they voted, they all voted for it. I put it out to a vote and it was just because they got to sit and hear the other person share something deep and meaningful and share why that is. And that was their favorite thing because they just got to connect and they were lonely. And I realized that they were lonely and that was why you know, cause we worked geographically apart and then Harvard business review. I don't know if you've seen it came out with them. It was pre COVID, but came out with the loneliest workers of America research project. And I was that. like, wow, this is why they voted for this because they were lonely and isolation and all of that really hurts employee engagement. It really decreases productivity by over 20%. And all they wanted was a little human connection. It was cool. No, absolutely. So uh, we've created a framework on the seven pillars of ownership. And so ownership mm-hmm. is the extreme emotional and psychological connection um, to the team, to the team members, to the goals and purpose of the organization, that willingness to give passionate discretionary effort, but, but a level above where you do things because it's important to you, not because you have to do them. And pillar two is sense of belonging. And I'm releasing a podcast within the next couple of weeks. It'll actually be aired before this one on belonging, the importance of belonging, the impacts of belonging in the workplace. And that's driving exactly into what you're talking about with human beings. We need that connection. We need to feel like we belong is who we are as our true and authentic selves. And the difference between belonging and fitting in, right? Fitting in is surviving. Belonging is thriving. I love the way that you've brought that to life. And I want to tie it in for the listeners who join every week on the show. Um, the, Cause this will now in the book I'm writing, from you and you will get credit for that. And I want to talk to you more about it off air, be involved in that, in that chapter, because that, that is just so big when you're talking about creating great teams and organizations, putting the people in position to, to, to be their best selves and to accomplish their purpose and impact. So let's talk about the, the 21 skills of, of uh, SQ here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a few minutes left in the show, but a couple of times you've talked about being this calm and healing presence, yeah. which I think is <laughs> Super important because how many times I think about people that I turn and go to when when I recognize that I'm upset or I'm out of balance, you know, I've had a rough day, something didn't go well, regardless of what it is. And like you go to a person who has this calm and healing presence, and it's amazing. But if this if you can be a person with a calm and healing presence into every room you walk into, because we never know what people are going through, that that seems to change the game. Can you take us through that a little bit more and 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 what goes into that? Yeah. So it's different for everyone. I'm not going to prescribe like a specific thing. Right. But for me, I think, I really think back to Deepak's, um, Deepak Chopra's law of least effort. He wrote a book called the seven spiritual laws to success. It's amazing. 
And one of his, one of his laws is the law of least effort. There's another one called the law of detachment. I detach myself from outcome back to the four universal communication principles. I don't take things personal. I set my ego aside. I try to see things from a big picture view. I don't force solutions onto problems, thereby creating new problems. Sometimes you have to sit back and weigh things out and just see how things play out. That was a big thing for me as a leader, not trying to force quick fixes onto things. Just, you know, something, oh, let me fix it. We got to move on. We got to hit our numbers. You know, let me sit back and let me see how this thing plays out and let me operate from a space of curiosity and non-judgment. Yeah. And understanding this is, this is big in SQ understanding that with chaos can come innovation and with mistakes can come amazing outcomes that you couldn't have foreseen. So that's getting into quantum leadership right? There's an amazing book by Dana Zohar. She's a philosopher and a physicist. She wrote The Quantum Leader. And I just, I could have highlighted the whole thing if I, if I right? wanted to, but, but yeah, just understanding that through chaos can come innovation and through mistakes can come amazing things. Amazing things can come from that. I don't know if I fully answered the common healing presence part, but I think if you don't freak out, if something's going wrong and uh, you know, I'm tying that into understanding like, Hey, I wonder what's going to come of this. This could be actually really cool. You know, let me break it down. Super simple. I ordered lunch the other day and I got the wrong order and I tried it anyway. And I actually liked it better through chaos and mistakes. I found a new dish that I like super simple. <laughs> you know, it, it is, but I think people can think about that example and now they can crystallize it in their mind on what you mean by it. And now they can think about situations and times in their life, in their career, where that exact same thing happened. Let's uh, let's take a shot. Is there another skill that you think is just even more important now than it's ever been from the 21 skills for, for leaders? Well, I think they're all important and they all tie into each other, but, or I should say, and <laughs> that's a good one. Right. Um, so there, with, with SQ being a wise and effective change agent, that's skill 18. You, as a leader, you can hold opposing views in the same space without freaking out. And what you can do with your vocabulary is try to replace the word, but with, and there's a whole polarity management research. Dr. Barry Johnson puts through called where you can hold opposing things in the same space. And so you can try that. I use a relationship example um, to get the point across and make it simple. I love you. And this relationship is toxic for me. Or we talk about the, um, (laughs) instead of saying, but right. Or we talk about the employee that, um, maybe you have this top salesperson that is just, oh my gosh, this person's making us a ton of money. Or you have a top employee on your team and they do really great individually, but they're toxic to the team. How do you handle that? And I know one of your shows, you talked about some great ways to sit down and communicate with accountability, but with compassion. So, hey, you are an amazing employee individually. And at the same time, some of your behavior is affecting the team. What can we do here? What do you think about that? That's being... Yeah, that's like, that's the, and, and it's cool because 
when leaders take the SQ21, they get excited about their skill level. I just had an executive coach take the SQ21 and they were they were so excited. They scored very high on being a wise and effective change agent. And they could use some of that recommendations or verbiage that came back with the assessment in their LinkedIn profile and then go after, wow, I didn't know I was this skilled in this area. And now I'm going to really pursue this in business to help others. And the, the simple of being a wise and effective change agent is we don't go for quick fixes. If, if something is broken or if something comes up that needs to be fixed, we don't just put a Band-Aid on it. We seek to find the underlying issues and make sure it's really fixed instead of quick fix, move on. And what happens when we do that is we change systems that we're working in because the systems that oftentimes we're working in don't lend <laughs> us to be operating from our higher selves <laughs> at some time at different points. And if you're a wise and effective change agent operating from an SQ space, from your higher self, from a place of higher motivation, you're going to dig for that systemic change over the quick fix. I love <laughs> it. So, so as you talk about this, so many things go through my head and I got to decide where I want to go with it, but I'm going to talk about two things really quick. One, the importance of, of coaching and coaching being about asking questions. When somebody comes into our office and asks for help and has an issue or a problem, it's so easy to give them the answer, right? That is a quick thing to do. It, it's tougher and it takes more time to ask questions and help them work towards their answer. Because if somebody comes up with something on their own, they're much more likely for it to stick and move on with it. But, and this is an important thing, while that conversation took you a half hour or even 45 minutes with a person that comes into your office every day, three times a week, twice a week, you add up all of that time over a period of a year and you, and you, you compare it to the, the time you spent coaching and the school skills and tools we're, we're teaching them through that coaching. Now, all of a sudden, they become the solvers of their own problems and they're helping other people solve problems and they're not coming into your office that investment of time. The other thing, Gordon Graham's a top uh, risk management expert. So this is how we've created a lot of programs around you know, addiction, child abuse, mental illness, and how we look at things. And so whenever there's an issue or a problem, we always look immediately before the problem happened. And we look to try to fix that area there. We never look at all of the problems lying in wait that contributed that led to the major issue or problem. And we go back and look at the problems lying in wait, and we begin to solve those all the way back to the beginning, the problem goes away and we stop dealing with crisis and conflict. And that's that's probably more applicable day-to-day -day for, for law enforcement and emergency response, but it's completely applicable to business um, because there's plenty of, of human crises within the, the workplace or, or, or different things. And so just to build on when you're talking about this, why, have an, why is an effective change agent? Don't go for the quick fixes, right? Really develop people, really let it play out, be patient, and really look mm. to the root causes of things to solve those. So lots of awesome stuff there. Just get excited talking about that. Yeah. And when you talk about law enforcement and things like that, imagine if they had this skill set that was taught or that they skill did the skill building in, because you're talking about, you know, everyone has their, the, their own answer from within. They know what's best for them with coaching. And it goes back to what we're talking about before, where as a leader, you can trust the decisions that other person is, is going to make. 
Absolutely. Huge, 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 huge. So we're talking with Amy Lynn Durham about spiritual intelligence, um, creating magic at work. And we really just got into what could be a, a very lengthy conversation. And um, I'm going to start doing a little more research on these things and see, because on the emotional intelligence side, I'd love to do some more on that. Um, you just provide incredible, incredible information here. So Amy, where can people find you? Like, I know I'm wanting to look and learn more. So, so where can our listeners find you? If you want to be a magic maker, you can go to createmagicatwork.net. And then I love connecting on LinkedIn. So it's Amy Lynn Durham on LinkedIn. Createmagicatwork.net has everything you need. All the tools, my book. I have a journal prompt card deck that you can pick a card and it gives you an affirmation for the workplace and two coaching questions to think about and journal about. And so every week on LinkedIn... If you connect with me at Amy Lynn Durham, I do a weekly workplace message for everyone where I pull a card for you for the week, and then it gives you inspiration for the week. So Awesome. So to our listeners in the podcast description, I will link all of those things, put direct links to the book as well. Um, so it'll be really easy to go and, and connect with Amy. I think that, that uh, you know, I know we're connected on LinkedIn, but I'm going to take a deeper dive into your stuff. You've got me really intrigued as we've touched the tip of the iceberg here. Do you have a final call to action or anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to share? I think my final call to action is really, if you identify as a servant leader, take, take that step to really dig into what that means for you and what kind of ripple effect you want to leave on the planet before you exit it. Awesome. 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 So spiritual intelligence, the ability to make wise and compassionate decisions while maintaining inner and outer peace, regardless of the situation. Just talking about, this is an area you have physical health, you got, you know, IQ, emotional intelligence, and then at the top of the pyramid is spiritual intelligence. So in this area, we're talking about life purpose, values, why we're here, putting ego aside, getting a big picture view, um, so many, so many incredible things. Being this calm and healing presence, she talked about the 21 skills. We didn't have a chance to go through them all, but you can click on the links below and you can go ahead and go see them. But this, this calm and healing presence, no blame, no judgment, such a big thing. A wise and compassionate change agent was, was something else we talked a lot about and, and so much more. So Amy, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I hope we sent some magic to everyone today. <laughs> we, we definitely sent some magic to everyone today. We're, we're building and building here on the show. It, to our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please smash that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review so we can help reach people more organically. And remember, always be committed to excellence. <laughs>